However you got here, you're currently listening to the Perry Hall Family Worship Center podcast. Thanks for giving us a chance. If today's message speaks to you, encourages you, or just leaves you with questions, you can reach out to us at connect at perryhall.life. I need you to hear me today, at least right now in this moment. Before you check out, start thinking about your plans for the game or the chaos of the coming week, whether it's the stress of your job, just a busy schedule with your kids, school, packing lunches, practices. Before you let your mind move on to all the things you have to do once you leave here, please, Hear this and let it sink in. You matter. You matter. God's been at work since Lindsay started talking and since Becky shared something he's had on my heart and you just need to know it. You matter. You matter, Joe. You matter, Deb. You matter, Neil. You're important. You are precious. You are, in fact, the treasure. You are loved by God. You're worth dying for with all of your flaws, weaknesses, mistakes, and missteps. Just as you are right here, right now, you matter to God. And as I prepared to share with you today, that's become the one thing that I'm certain, the one main concept that God wants me to deliver to you today. I don't know who it's for or how many of us need to hear it. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that some of us walked in here today completely convinced that we're insignificant. Some believing we're too broken, too sinful, too mediocre, or just unremarkable. And I'm not talking about unbelievers. You may very well be a believer. You may believe in God. You may be a follower of Jesus. You may have placed your faith in him. You believe in his power. You believe in his miracles. You believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus can walk on water and then turn that water into wine. You have no problem with the idea that God has made the sun stand still and part of the sea. You don't even flinch at the idea that God has the very power to raise the dead. You know he can heal. You know that he can bless people with special gifts and use those people to further his gospel and build his kingdom. You just don't believe he can fix you. I've been there. It is a crazy thing to say that Jesus can raise the dead, but I'm too broken. Jesus can walk on water, but he doesn't have time for me. You are all he has time for. All those miracles, all that other stuff, he doesn't care at all about any of that. It's all just to get your attention, just so you know that he loves you. What I've learned is that way of thinking, I'm I'm too broken and all that, it's dangerously bordering on, if not crossing over into insulting God himself. It's insulting his power and his reach, but more importantly, his character. There are some scriptures you may hear a lot around here that speak to God's character. That's why you hear them. They're important. They're important to us as a church. John 3, 16 and 17, you may have heard this many times, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God does not want to condemn you. 
That's not his desire. He wants to save you. And we cannot make the mistake, and we do this a lot, of confusing God's intentions with those of the devil. We can't get those things backwards. John 10, 10, you probably heard this one recently here too. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The enemy wants to steal your joy, your peace, your blessings, your family, your sanity. He wants to destroy you, and he ultimately wants to see you dead. God wants you to not just survive, but to thrive, the very opposite of everything the enemy has in mind for you. And you thrive through nurturing your relationship with the living God. That's the only way. You can't fully experience everything God has for you if you don't fully trust his intentions for you. Because you're not putting all you are in his hands. I want to look at someone in scripture who could have very easily seen themselves as unimportant, as less than. I want to look at Stephen, starting in Acts chapter 6. I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among, among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now, first of all, you guys have never been to a church where anyone argues and bickers about silly things, have you? That would never happen here, not once. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be, listen to this, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. It's very important. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip. I'm not going to say any of these names right past Philip, so don't even expect it. Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas. How do I do, Pastor Dom? Was I close? All right, that'll work. And Nicholas, I can do that one. From Antioch, a convert to Judaism, they presented them to the apostles, and listen to this part, who prayed and laid their hands on them. Stephen was a glorified waiter in the early church. It literally says we're picking people to wait on tables. Now, I've been a waiter for over a decade of my life. I've done this job. It is very easy to look at that and go, this doesn't matter. But Stephen's doing it unto the Lord. There's no task, no position God has you in in your life that is insignificant. If he called you there, if he carried you there, if he took you there, it matters. You matter. There's a purpose in it. And the disciples didn't want just anyone. They wanted people full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. It would be understandable if we needed someone to deliver food and we got together and we said, give me a warm body. <laughs> give me someone who can divide this up and hand it out. But they wanted someone full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom for every task the church had to be done. They prayed and they laid hands on them. They could have easily said, thanks for picking the people. Now go away. They stopped everything. They prayed and they laid hands on them because it was important. It was significant. I want to look at how Jesus honored Stephen himself. Stephen was arrested not too long after this and ultimately killed for serving the Lord. So we pick back up in Acts chapter 7 and verse 54. It says, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious, gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears 
and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul, who, by the way, becomes Paul the apostle at some point in his life. He goes from holding the coats of the people who are killing Stephen to writing a large part of the Bible we read today. God can do incredible things. You matter. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. First thing I pull away from this, and it's big to me, Jesus is standing. Normally, when you read about Jesus at the right hand of the Father, he's seated. Here, this glorified waiter who stood strong for him, who had faith like no other, who was full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom and was willing to die for Jesus, Jesus stood up in honor of Stephen. Do you realize how big that is? Stephen asked God not to hold his unjust murder against the people murdering him. Where have you heard that before? Sounds a lot like Jesus saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. This glorified waiter is so full of the Holy Spirit, so full of wisdom, so secure in his knowledge of the word of who Jesus is, that even while he's being murdered, he mimics Jesus. He stepped into his position and fulfilled his duties. And he did it as if he were serving Jesus himself. He didn't become bitter about it. He didn't think less of himself. We should all be like Stephen. Can we agree with that? Amen. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for the plan, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Pastor Dom recently preached about this and he taught us that the enemy has a plot against you. God has a plan for you. We cannot confuse the two any longer. We can't think of ourselves as less than. You are precious to God. His plan is nothing but the best for you. What's the enemy's plot? To steal, kill, destroy? God's plan not to harm, but to give you prosperity, hope, and a future. To give you life to the full. I think the problem is once you begin to get caught in this loop, think of yourself as less or unremarkable or too broken or too sinful or mediocre, it's hard to get out of it. You keep on making the same mistakes. You even continue the same sinful behavior and accept your position because it all feels inevitable. It feels like that's just who you are. And if you're still with me right now, I need you to hear this. It is all lies. You feel stuck. You are not stuck. You feel less than, but you are a treasure to God. Do you know who the father of lies is? When Jesus was describing the devil in John 8, verse 44, he says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. We're being lied to, church, on a regular basis. Anytime that negative stuff comes in your head like that, that is the enemy speaking to you, and you don't have to accept it. You've been set free by the Son of God. And like the team just sang, who the Son sets free is free indeed. There's no reason to put yourself back in that prison cell. And again, I know what it's like to be stuck in that poison thinking. You may feel stuck, but you can't stay there. You cannot stay there. You cannot remain in that place. If you want change, if you want freedom, 
If you want to get out of the loop, if you want to break the cycle, you got to do a few things. If you're taking notes today, and I know you all are because you always do, this is the first thing you got to do. You got to be honest, really, really honest. First, be honest with yourself. We've established the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Scripture says he roams about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's out there. His, his minions are out there. They want to destroy you. But you got to be honest with yourself. Is your current outlook and situation God's fault? Is it the enemy's fault? And this one may hurt, or is it just yours? A lot of times when I want to blame the devil, when I blame the enemy, it's just me being the sinful original version of me. And the devil doesn't have to work that hard when we do that. God wants the best for you. The enemy is definitely out to get you. But you got to be honest with yourself. Who's got you here? James 1, 13 through 15 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted. Listen to this part. When they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Scripture is very clear that we're born sinful. We're born broken. Once you accept Jesus, you can be done with all that. He's broken that. I spent a lot of time in youth ministry. And one of the biggest lies that churches tell young people, we tell adults or anyone, but especially for some reason in some churches and youth, we tell them that sin just isn't fun. That's not true. Sin can be very fun. That's why we're drawn to it. It was very fun at first for a while. It becomes natural. It's fun right up until it becomes full grown and gives birth to death. Because that's the road it leads down every time. Scripture is clear that we're born sinners. Do you think Drug addicts, drug addicts and alcoholics, and I know some folks here have struggled with this. Do, do you think they started out hoping to become hopelessly addicted to a substance that they had to have every day just to get through everyday life? It doesn't start that way. Teenagers don't plan to have children in high school. Sin is fun. We're naturally pulled towards it. Jesus changes all of that. He makes us a new creation. But we've got to be honest with ourselves. Are we making the decisions that have us feeling stuck. We also got to be honest with God. If there's sin in your, in your life, in your heart, and you know it, and you do know it. I know it when it's me. You got to confess. Just get rid of it. David in the Old Testament was called a man after God's own heart, and that is very high praise. He is also a man who committed adultery with a married woman and orchestrated the death of her husband. And David owned it. Psalm 51. These are his words. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. You got to be honest with yourself. You got to be honest with God. You've also got to be honest with other people. I don't, I don't mean everybody. I don't want y'all to stand up and just start telling everyone your deepest, darkest secrets. But you need at least one. You need somebody in your life that you can trust. Someone that is godly, 
that loves you, cares about you, wants the best for you, that you can go to and you can confess your sin and you can confess, you can talk about your anxiety, your depression, whatever it is that you feel stuck in, you need a godly person in your life to help pull you out of that. You've heard me talk about this verse before too, probably. But it's important to me, James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We're honest with ourselves. Are we the problem? We're honest with God. If we've got sin in our life, we confess it. We're honest with people because that is the path to healing. You need accountability. You need encouragement. You need to get the sin into the light. Be done with it. We've got to be honest. If you want to break the cycle, you've got to be honest with God, yourself, and others. You also have to do something different. If what you've been doing, you've heard this quote probably a million times, uh, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. If what you've been doing is not working, if what you've been doing, the way you've been living, the decisions you've been making are keeping you feeling stuck, you got to do something different, but I would take it a step further and not say not just anything, do something biblically different. Lean into the word of God. Don't just read it, study it. Spend time in prayer and you say, I do. Well, then spend more. And something we've talked about a lot here lately too. Don't just talk. Listen when you're praying. I know it feels weird. I've done it too, but God will speak to you. You have to do something different, something biblically different. You really have to lean into your relationship with God. Make church fellowship in general a real priority in your life. And I don't just mean Sunday mornings. That's great. Come here on Sunday mornings. But this is your spiritual family. There's a reason that we're supposed to come together. If you're looking for a person to get honest with, and we're doing things right here, there should be someone in this room that you can be honest with. Lean into God's word. Lean into prayer. Make church fellowship a real priority. If you're a Christian, we're expected to leave our old ways behind. We're expected to do something different. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. If you've been given to your sinful desire, do something different. Resist. If you've given up, turn it around. Resist. As a Christian, you're meant to resist the devil and you're meant to draw near to God. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. If you've been given in, resist. If you haven't been leaning into God, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. I can have the worship team and the prayer team come up and I'm close to the end here. And this last one sounds simpler than it is. The last thing you got to do, if you want real change, if you want to break the cycle, if you want to feel unstuck, you just got to never, ever, ever give up. The world around you wants you to. There's pressure all around you. I know it but you cannot give up. Hebrews 12, starting at verse one says, therefore, since you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. 
Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so you will not grow weary and lose heart. Never, ever, 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 ever give up. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Do you remember the story of Peter walking on water? There's a storm and Jesus walks out on the water towards them with waves crashing all around them and the wind blowing. And they're scared and I would be scared if I'm being honest. But Peter says, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. And for a moment, for a few steps, Peter is walking on water. And he's fixed on the face of Jesus. There's a moment he starts to look at the waves crashing. Starts to focus on the wind around him. He starts to sink. Yeah, Jesus called him, you have little faith, but he also didn't let him go under. You don't give up. And Jesus doesn't give up on you, ever. Not for any reason. Don't grow weary. Fix your eyes on Jesus. The world wants to take you under. Maybe you've been doing a good job of it yourself. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. Be honest with others. Do something different. Lean into your relationship. And simply don't give up. You matter. Every one of you in here matters. Everyone watching online, you matter. That's the only thing you hear today. If everything else is blocked out, that's okay. Hear me when I say you matter. More than you could possibly know. I'm going to pray and we're going to continue to worship. And as we worship, the prayer team is going to be up here to my left and my right. If you need to process any of this, or if you need to give your life to the Lord for the first time, If you have no idea what that even means, but you'd love to hear about it, they'll be here for you. When you walk out of here today, know that you matter so much to Jesus, more than I could possibly explain if I stood up here for an hour. You're special, you're important, you're precious. We're going to pray and then worship. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for ours for spilling your blood to make us whole, to make us clean, to bring us home. We've walked through a pandemic together. We've seen a lot of things over the last couple years, and you have not moved. You've been right next to us the entire time. Anxiety comes, pressure comes. We really can turn to you. You love us on a level that's difficult to understand. I just pray now that Anyone who hears this, anyone who's struggling with that idea that they matter, Jesus, speak. Speak to all of us. We love you more than anything, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for giving the Perry Hall Family Worship Center podcast a chance. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and if you want to know more, we've got everything you need at perryhall.life.